It's time for another episode of Dynasty Oasis Podcast. Here are your hosts, Matt Newts and Josh Adkins. Welcome to the show. My name is Matt Newts at Nasty Newts on Twitter. Uh, with me tonight, as always, is Joshua Adkins at Dynasty Oasis on Twitter. Um, how's it going, Josh? Doing well, doing well. It's another uh, fun Monday night football game. Uh, Cole Komet uh, kind of making uh, making me proud in the one league that I had to desperation start him. He had a great catch early in this game. Uh, it was a fun weekend of football. I don't know about you, but I, I thoroughly enjoyed both the college and the NFL. Yeah, Big Ten's back, so that's pretty sweet, even though it was uh, a rough start for the Gophers. But, yeah, some really great games this weekend. Um some really fun fantasy matchups for me as well. I mean, uh, being a bit sarcastic, considering it seemed like I had to face the highest scoring team in the league in just about every one of my leagues, uh, in, including our matchup. Uh, congrats on the dub. You whooped my ass again. Um, do you want to take this time to apologize to me for not being very nice? Yeah, well, you know, I did have kind of inverse luck the week before when 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 your cousin sort of took it to me. So maybe I'll maybe what I'll say is um, I'm paying it forward. Your next matchup, you're gonna you're gonna have a big week. So uh, maybe that's the best I can do because I felt like my team was kind of laying in wait. But uh, yeah, it was a fun weekend. Let's just go with that. For sure. Um, yeah. So. Uh... How happy are you to get college back? I know, well, I mean, we've had college, but how happy are you to get the Big Ten football back? It's been a, a weird start to the year for them, canceling, then bringing it back. And uh, what are your thoughts? Anyone kind of catch your eye on the college side of things real quick before we dive into recaps? <laughs> well, yeah, on the college side of things, I, I thought both Najee Harris and Chuba Hubbard had had good games here this weekend. and And that's probably an important thing. Uh, for this running back class, which doesn't look like it has a ton of both top-end talent, depending upon how you feel about Travis Etienne, um, but as well as depth. And so it was good to see both of them perform well. Yeah, obviously the Gophers um, was pretty disappointing. They they started so hot and couldn't really get anything going. You know, Bateman actually kind of struggled in that game, and that was uh, disappointing to see kind of in the most critical spot. He, he slipped coming out of a route and kind of left Tanner Morgan out to dry. Um, so that was a bummer. Uh, but in terms of just college football in general, it was good to have the Big Ten back. It finally drew me in. Not that I haven't watched some of the college football. I, I tape a lot of games. Um, and, that, uh, you know, I, I've rewatched, but I haven't really just settled in for a full Saturday of college football. And the Big Ten drew me into that. And it was it was a lot of fun this weekend. Same, same. Yeah, I haven't uh, really gotten super dialed into college yet. Um, I'm I'm less of a college football fan than you, and uh, I, I really kind of gravitate towards it more once we're starting to look at, you know, kind of the projected draft picks and everything. Early in the season, I, I don't usually get sucked in as quickly, but uh, I do like to watch um, Big Ten football especially, so I'll probably pay a little bit more attention than I have in the past just because of the podcast and trying to project uh, yeah next year's draft class for fantasy purposes. But yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to some more college. But uh, that being said, I think uh, since we got a lot of games well, this week, why don't we dive right into the recaps? Oh, sorry, Real quick, ahead. just before we leave college football, it was disappointing to see Jalen Waddell uh, leave with that injury. Uh, it sounds like he's done for the year. 
um, may not be able to run at the at the combine. He probably lost himself a good amount of draft equity. Um, but just like a guy like KJ Hamler, who who wasn't able to do a lot of the same things, but had some similar skills, um, a guy that I like for the next level and and may come at a discount now. So yeah, let's let's move on to the NFL stuff. But uh, I was I was really bummed to see about about Jalen because he's one of my favorite uh, wide receivers in college football. For sure, for sure. Um, why don't we get started with the uh, Steelers Titans game? Probably the marquee game for sure of the oh, yeah. the noon slate. Um, and it didn't really disappoint. Uh, it was kind of looking like a dud through the first half. Um, Pittsburgh was up twenty seven seven. Then the Titans clawed their way back. Um, in no um, due part to AJ Brown having Ooh. another fantastic day. But they were a field goal away at the end of regulation from tying this up and giving us some bonus football. But I would have loved to have seen an extra quarter out of this game. Uh, what was your biggest thing um, fantasy-wise from this game? Well, yeah, as as someone who, and I know you play a lot of golf too, so as, as two guys who play a lot of golf, I think we can appreciate the idea of a ball just fading or slicing a little bit too much on us. So uh, Gostowski misses that late field goal, which could have made this game extra fun. But uh, I guess the biggest takeaway is Deontay Johnson being back to me. Um, you know, we've had a lot of discussion about what's the pecking order in Pittsburgh. Um, I still think it's Chase Claypool. And this is this is a bigger discussion that I want to get you in on here. Obviously, uh, this was not the game to point to uh, for Chase Claypool here. Uh, Deontay Johnson, Juju Smith-Schuster combined for 29 targets. Uh, Claypool gets one. Um, I still see him, and I still say he passes the eye test in every capacity you could look for. Um, but where are you at in terms of these Steelers wide receivers? Do you, have you, you know, significantly changed what we thought maybe the last two weeks, or are you more closer to where I am? Uh, or I'm sorry, more closer to no things have changed now that Deontay's uh, back. I don't want to overreact to every single game. Like every time one guy has the the lead role in the offense, it seems like it's so easy to just be out. Oh, well, it's Juju's team again. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I, I think we. It's it. I feel like it was a concerted effort by Ben and their their play caller to. Uh, to get Juju more involved in their offense. They need, he's too talented to waste. So I knew I, I could tell that that was kind of a game plan type thing. They wanted to feed Juju. And as far as uh, Claypool, just not really getting opportunities. I think it's, man, it's tough. I don't want to say, you know, we're wrong or anything. Cause I still think he's great and they're going to use him. He's too good of a talent to waste. I, I just think it's kind of a weird thing where they had Deontay back. They had Juju back. This is probably how their offense was designed to look coming into the year. And then Claypool kind of threw a, a wrench into their plans where it's like, wow, we got this stud and we should probably use them. But I think it's going to maybe just take a few weeks for them to figure out their proper balance for that offense. And this wasn't it, even though they had success. They need to use their best weapons all around the field. Well, and one thing you have been saying on these this grouping is that one week, one guy may get left out. And that's something that you're going to, and you know, it's something that we're going to talk about in the Tampa Bay wide receiving core coming up. Um they're all going to have good cumulative stats, but week to week, it's there. There probably will be one of them who kind of gets left out in the dark. This week, it was Claypool. Um, to my eye, he's still an exceptional talent. And you know, 
I looked up the snap counts on like three different websites. For whatever reason, they didn't get counted this week. That was one that I couldn't find. To my eye, Claypool still played the most snaps. So, um, yeah, I, 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 you know, I don't really know what to say other than, uh, like you kind of talked about, they, uh, they wanted to get the other two involved. Um, real quick before we move on to something else, uh, Deontay Johnson did have a great game here. Uh, he's kind of a human joystick, kind of Dante Hall if he could actually play wide receiver. Um, but the antics got to stop. He showed up Ben Roethlisberger on uh, Roethlisberger saw it as a chance to throw a back shoulder. Deontay wanted the ball up the field. Um, you know, Deontay dropped like three passes in this game. Um, and for him to show up Roethlisberger like that, I just, it was, it was something that kind of rubbed me the wrong way, uh, especially in a game where he does draw 15 targets. Um, I just want him to go out and just, just play ball and just be the player that, you know, be the, be Antonio Brown before you start acting like Antonio Brown, even though that's not where I want him to go, but just something that sort of rubbed me the wrong way. Uh, did you want to talk any, uh, James Conner, um, any Eric Ebron, or do you want to move over to the Tennessee side? Yeah, a few quick things on Pittsburgh before we switch. Uh, James Conner was pretty darn close to a touchdown on a few different occasions, so unfortunately he didn't get you paid in that regard, but still 80 yards, that's acceptable. Uh, one thing that I did notice was really interesting with how they've been continuing to use Claypool, even though it didn't show up with a carry in this game, is they're motioning him on that end around look a ton, and that's really going to factor into their red zone offense. He's already had two rushing touchdowns on that look this year, and they're playing off of it now, but don't be surprised if they start giving him the ball again in that situation. I wouldn't be surprised to see five, six rushing touchdowns for Claypool on the year. So that's a really interesting wrinkle their offense is working in. And I'm sorry, I got to say one more thing on Pittsburgh. They finally learned their lesson. They had Ray Ray McLeod returning punts. Uh, he broke a big one that actually set up Deontay's second touchdown. Uh, smart coaches do smart things like having a guy like Ray Ray McLeod take that abuse and not Deontay Johnson. So something that we've talked about in previous episodes that I wanted to bring up. On to the Tennessee side, um, it was a pretty narrow, uh, you know, production distribution. It was Derrick Henry kind of doing his thing. It was A.J. Brown breaking that one big play and just kind of generally being a beast in the second half. Um, and Corey Davis catching his arbitrary six catches for, you know, 40, 50 yards. This this game was 35 yards. He does get in the end zone here. Is there anything really actionable on the Tennessee side from this game other than that they're a pretty good team and, and they're going to be around uh, in the future? I wouldn't say there's anything actionable. I would. The one thing I would uh, advise to is not to panic on Janu Smith. I think he's still a little banged up, so I wouldn't worry about his lack of production in this game. I still think Janu Smith is going to be a big part of this offense. So I guess the only actionable thing for me would to say don't worry about him. Yeah, no, and, and he had a chance at a touchdown, actually a really good play by uh, Terrell Edmonds. Uh, late in this game, I was shocked he was able to break that play up and then uh, actually draws uh, defensive holding the very next play and Henry gets in. So um, it's not like he wasn't involved. He was out there. It just the the way this game broke down. Yeah, he was not involved. Um, Jeffrey Simmons, by the way, D tackle for the, the Titans before we move on here. He's going to be a heck of a player. Uh, next game was Browns and Bengals. This was one that I specifically watched the the Battle of Ohio. Um, and this was a this was a blast of a game to watch. Um, I think why don't we start on the Cleveland side? So they get they get the job done here. 
Um, I think let's start with Odell Beckham Jr. Um, tears his ACL on the second play of the game on a deep pass that gets intercepted. Um, obviously sad to see that. Is there any sort of, I mean, are you, are you buying, are you selling? I mean, I, I think one conversation maybe we haven't had is, um, when a guy gets injured like this, I'm usually going to wait a few weeks. If I think he's a buy, I'm going to wait a few weeks before I go. Ch- Otherwise it just feels like you're kind of ambulance chasing. Um, but let's say in a couple <laughs> weeks, do you think there is a buy or a sell type opportunity on Odell or are you kind of just in the camp of let's hold and see where we're at closer to next year? It's funny you use the ambulance chaser uh, expression there because that's literally what I was going to say. You might piss someone <laughs> off by ambulance chasing. So, yeah, I think you're right. You probably want to wait a week. You don't want to be the guy that's immediately sending a trade offer for a guy the day he gets put on IR because that's just going to – that's almost never going to get accepted. Even if it's a fair offer, the right. guy's just going to be like, come on. Just annoyed. This yeah. Is, yeah, it'll just annoy the guy. So, yeah, I mean, it, it's really situational. If you're going to buy on an injured guy, you know, like Odell Beckham, you're obviously probably rebuilding or or trying to retool. You may be in the middle. But, yeah, it's certainly a buy opportunity. Um, if I'm three and six going into the trade deadline, yeah, that that might be a guy I target for sure. Okay. And, and I guess the reason I ask is because I think we both agree that he's a phenomenal talent. Um, but watching this game and watching Baker Mayfield's rookie season, um, I, I, I'm not going to make the the claim that they're better off without Odell Beckham Jr. because that's just that's not smart. But I will say it seems to free Baker up um, to just sort of read the defense, find the open man, find the open area, um, and attack it. Um, so I guess what I'm what I'm really driving at is, do you think there are big numbers if Odell is in Cleveland coming? Could he be traded? I mean, I'm just I'm very tepid about. I own him in in one dynasty league, and I'm very uh, concerned about the long term. Will he ever? I mean, I don't think he'll ever get back to where he was, but can he regain ninety percent of that? And I'm very worried about that aspect of it. It's definitely a big if. Um, when you're asking, is he going to be in Cleveland next year? I, I think I would put that proposition around 50-50 right now. It's probably largely dependent on how um, maybe Donovan Peoples-Jones looks in the, the interim or even Richard Higgins. Um, I, I guess that might be a good lead-in. I kind of wanted to ask you about Donovan Peoples-Jones. Uh, he had the game-winning touchdown in this game, but how did he look to you? Did you like him coming into the rookie draft? Um, did he impress you, or it, were you not a big fan, or where do you stand on him? Well, I wasn't a fan of the tape that I watched at Michigan, and I they had a lot of prospects this year, so I watched at least five games back uh, kind of through the pandemic stay-at-home time. Uh, I watched at least five games at Michigan, and he never stood out to me. In terms of this game, the the game-winning touchdown was phenomenal, um, but he was not the guy that they really leaned on, uh, especially early right after the Beckham injury. It was Richard Higgins, and um, he's a guy that I did like a ton coming out of I forget if he's Colorado or Colorado State. He's somewhere in the state of Colorado. Um, and uh, he was a guy that I was a big fan of, um, and he looked flat out great in this game. Now, I'm not going to get over the top and say that, you know, this is something, you know, he had six for 110 in this game. Um, I don't think that's something you can expect going forward. And, and maybe it is Donovan Peoples-Jones. He's he's good with the ball in his hands. He's good at the catch point. I just worry about can he get separation consistently. 
Um, I think we should also mention National Tight End Day. Um, maybe I'm wrong about this, but I think Harrison Bryant is your tight end one for the week. Uh, had four catches, 56 yards, and two touchdowns. Was heavily involved in this game plan uh, from the get-go uh, and looked pretty good. Uh, Baker also throws a touchdown to Joku here. He likes the tight end. I, I think there's maybe something here with Harrison Bryant. Um, Austin Hooper is not an incredibly high upside player. I know they paid him a bunch of money, um, but you know he might be the guy that I like a little bit more going forward as opposed to Donovan Peoples-Jones. Interesting. And yeah, uh, Bryant, the few opportunities gotten this year before this week, he kind of caught my yeah. eye. So I was glad to see him shine in this opportunity. I thought he looked good. I know he was forced into action. I don't know, week two, week three or something. I'm like, oh yeah, I remember this guy. And then I, I was pretty impressed by him. So I, I was glad to see him kind of already leapfrog Joku. I think that's interesting for a rookie tight end to, to kind of take that big of a leap right away. I think he could be a really interesting guy for dynasty purposes. Yeah, real quick before we move on to Cincinnati, uh, Kareem Hunt gets his standard workload here. Uh, gets into the end zone on, an, on a receiving catch or a receiving touchdown where Jermaine pa- uh, Pratt gets picked uh, by Joku. Uh, nice play design there. Uh, and just real quick, Mayfield obviously has the big day, but uh, he started out 0 for 5 with an interception, and after that went 22 for 22 for five touchdowns. It was a pretty incredible turnaround, and obviously three of those incompletions were right after Beckham went out, but um, boy, this offense looked really good against, you know, not a great defense. Um, so, and moving on to the, the Cincinnati side, uh, Burrow here was awesome again. Um, you know, there's a few players that I've said this about, and I'm going to say it about one of his teammates here in a second. Um, we talked about it about Patrick Queen, that one of the biggest compliments I can give a guy right now is that he looks like a three-year vet and Burrow looks like a three-year vet. There was a couple, um, Rookie type mistakes, but all in all, 406 yards, three touchdowns, does throw one pick, but gets you a touchdown on the ground as well. Um, he played really, really well. Uh, what do you do you want to talk about any of the, the Cincinnati receivers or should I keep going here? Um, I think it might be worth bringing up AJ Green again because there was a point in this year where I was advising to just outright drop him. He's still getting heavy target load, and it's actually starting to lead to some production. So um, if you held on, good for you. You're starting to finally get something. I know I dropped him in a few spots, and I'm starting to maybe regret it because there are leagues where I'm kind of in contention and maybe could have used his help. Well, so real quick on Green's day, uh, like you said, he's looking better. Um, The separation still isn't there, but he had two back shoulders to start this game out. Um, he had a couple nice times where he was able to find the soft spot in zone. Um, but the contested catches aren't there. He had two chances in the end zone, wasn't able to come down with them. Um, that's the part of his game that I do see sort of eventually shifting completely to T Higgins, who, um, once again, another guy that looks like a three-year pro, um, out there. He just looks so calm and comfortable. Um, He's a really good player. Uh, He does get nicked up in this game, but he comes back, I think, two or three plays later. Um, Should be fine going forward. Um, I'm such a big T. Higgins fan, and and another really solid game for him as a rookie. Yeah, and the Higgins Bowl in this game, T. Higgins outscored uh, (laughs) Rashard Higgins for your fantasy purposes due to the touchdown. So so that's good to see a battle of the Higgins going the way of T. (laughs) 
Yeah, that was fun. I kept, you know, I've got him in a few lineups, so I kept seeing Richard Higgins' name pop up, and I'd give a little fist pump thinking it was T. Higgins, and oh, no, no, <laughs> it wasn't. Um, and sort of, it wasn't on my radar right away, but obviously Mixon misses this game. Uh, Geo gets, you know, a decent amount done, but uh, I think Mixon's going to be back, if not this week, next week. So, um, obviously, I think that he's just a, a solid hold. Um, Panthers at Saints is our next game. This is a game that I did not have a chance to rewatch. I saw a little bit of it. Um, why don't you lead us in? Because this was your uh, top choice in your in the game draft this weekend. Well, if you have a game pass like we do, this is a really fun game to watch because it is probably the fastest uh, condensed game I've seen to date on game pass. I think you can watch this game in about 29 minutes. 29. Holy cow. It flew by, and uh, there was a reason for that because both teams kind of were being able to control the ball on offense all day. Um, pretty much every drive in this game was your six, seven minute drive down the field, culm- culminating with the points, you know. So this was a really fun back and forth. I was rooting for the Panthers, so I was a little disappointed that Joey Sly couldn't, or not Sly. Um, what the hell is their kicker's name again? Yeah, no, Joey Sly, you had it right. Yeah, he, oh, he oh, came up Sly. a yard short on that 65 yeah, yeah. yarder. That was one of the few plays I did catch, and I had him going in the, that would have been, in the uh, league. That would have been amazing. It looked like it was good all the way, and then it yeah. just came up a little bit shy. So, yeah, we didn't uh, watch this game to break down kickers, though. Um, <laughs> another great game for DJ Moore. I think he's really starting to turn the corner in this offense. He's looked fantastic to me the last two weeks in a row. So that's really good to see. They're also getting uh, Curtis Samuel more involved in the third down packages and even uh, had a really nice touchdown run in this game. So I'm liking how they're using their receivers a lot more now than they were early in the year. I think they found the right roles for Anderson, Moore, and uh, Samuel, and things are being really uh, really well run in Carolina. I, I know they're three and four now, but this is a team that I that could easily be – you know, five and two. I like this Panthers team with seven teams in each conference getting into the playoffs. Now don't sleep on the Panthers. I think they're going to find a way into the playoffs this year. Teddy well, Bridgewater looks. No, go sorry, ahead. Go no, ahead. yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. I can ask in a second. Teddy Bridgewater looks about as good as I've seen him look since pre-injury. He's uh, even throwing some pretty deep balls now. Kind of the biggest knock on Teddy throughout the years is he can throw uh, intermediate routes, but he can't throw the deep ball. He had a really beautiful deep ball to DJ Moore, who I just talked about, but that was for uh, for a 74-yard touchdown, and that was um, mostly in the air. I think that ball traveled 50 yards in the air, so it was really good to see Teddy air yeah. it out. It looked like a blown coverage, but but the ball was – I mean, it, it wouldn't have mattered, frankly, if, if he had kind of trailed with, with DJ Moore. Um, the ball was right where it was supposed to be. So, yeah, I did I did catch that play. For sure. And uh, Mike Davis didn't have a stat line really in this game, but I did kind of want to give him some props. The dude's just a football player, man. I know it's a it's a pretty stupid cliche, but even on uh, on DJ Moore's uh, or Curtis Samuel or what the oh, no, it was DJ Moore's uh, second touchdown, the shorter one. Mm-hmm. I thought it was a rushing touchdown, but it, it must have gone down as a passing touchdown. But he laid out a pretty sweet block on that play. He's just out there playing football, the kind of stuff that's going to really endear him to to the coaching staff and Matt rule. So he's going to have a role on this team when McCaffrey comes back, which is worth mentioning McCaffrey returned to practice today. I don't expect to see him play this week, but uh, it's probably just a a week nine thing. I think McCaffrey's uh, pretty quick to being back on this. Well, pretty bad. 
Let me ask you, because I know you have him in, in a league that we, you know, are in together. Um, if he is active, let's say he's even on a pitch count, are you, is he in your lineup? He'll be in my lineup most likely just because my running back situation has be been in, pretty in, gross. in manager's lineups? I think if you can afford to, I would wait a week. Um, but it's going to be so darn tempting. Um, I, I think he'll be in my lineup, and I would probably recommend starting him as soon as he's back. They're not going to rush him. If if he's back, they're they're comfortable using him, so I would that's, start him, yes. That's where I'm at, too. Yep, if he's active, please put him in your lineup. Um, so, what, uh, do, do we talk Saints? No, we didn't talk Saints. Uh, what do you want to start with here? Um, Marquez Callaway. Um, okay kind of had Drew Brees' attention in this game. I don't know if Brees thought he, it was 2012 and he thought he was throwing to Marcus Colston because they're both kind of tall, lanky guys wearing number 12. But Callaway kind of looked like Marcus Colston in this game. Uh, nothing flashy, but he got open in kind of the, the 10 to 15-yard range. It's kind of the type of receiver they need. Um, I know that was kind of Michael Thomas's role, but when he comes back – I mean, I know we speculated he'd be back this week, but now it looks like he might not even be back next week. So they're going to need a kind of chain mover, and it looks like they might have found a guy in Callaway. Yeah, well, and it sounds like Sanders will have to spend uh, one more week on the COVID list. At least that's my information that's current as of now. Um, so plan to be without Thomas and plan to be without Sanders, which, yeah, I think opens a real opportunity for Callaway. and. Uh, I did catch one play where they highlighted exactly what you said. He just he found, he finds the soft spot in the zone. Um, I did like him at Tennessee a little bit. Um, he's fun after the catch. He, he he's competitive at the catch point. So uh, yeah, very interesting guy to look out for. Um, Kamara did his standard thing here. Doesn't get into the end zone. Is there any uh, real other actionable stuff here from the Saints uh, side of things? Not really. Um, I'd say Callaway is worth a speculative ad, but otherwise, I, I'm Deontay Harris. I'm not really that interested in. Uh, I don't think there's really all that much else worth mentioning. All right, cool. Why don't we move on then to uh, what was the probably the best finish of any game? Lions at Falcons. Uh, there's so many things from a football side here. Uh, why don't we hit on a few of those? Todd Gurley. Should have stopped at the goal line. Uh, tried to stop. At <laughs> he the tried. Goal line. He tried. Yeah, he tried. Uh, and <laughs> there's film of him doing the correct thing in Los Angeles. So uh, kind of shocking to see. Um, I guess I'm not going to totally put the the loss on him. Uh, stop somebody at Atlanta. But uh, yeah, that was a, a wild finish. Um, in terms of actionable fantasy things, if if people didn't see the fact that he shouldn't have scored a second touchdown and the fact that uh, I think he averaged, well, actually, I got it written down here. He had 25 touches for 82 yards, uh, so just over three yards a touch, and that's with two longer receptions. So got almost nothing done. He doesn't look like a player that, I mean, he just keeps circumnavigating to the edge and never finds the edge, and um, he's not breaking tackles at the same rate. I just don't see a good player, and, off a two-touchdown game with 25 touches, um, you know, I just was able to sell David Montgomery for a first. So I'm not going to tell you you couldn't go get a first right now for Todd Gurley. Um, package it up with some other things. Find a way because he is not the same player. Yeah, the two big backs in that draft class have really looked uh, pretty Oof. bad to me. Him and Melvin Gordon, I Gordon, think yeah. you're – 
you're selling hard on name value right now because I think Melvin Gordon almost looks worse to me than Todd Gurley, but we can get into that once we get to the Broncos-Chiefs game. Sure. But, yeah, Gurley, I, I know you've been advising for weeks now, sell, sell, sell. He's been having some productive fantasy weeks, so mm-hmm. if you can sell on that, absolutely, completely in agreement, sell. There's people out there that are just looking at box scores, just seeing the two touchdowns. Um not everybody will bite, but there's somebody out there that you can sink the hook into. Uh, Julio and Ridley pretty much have their standard day. Um, maybe it's interesting to note here that that Hayden Hurst does draw seven targets. Uh, one of them was a deflected ball, but uh, I guess a target nonetheless. Um, and Russell Gage gets involved late with a couple really nice catches on the drive that set up. Uh, I suppose what would have been the, the, the girly accidental touchdown, which should have been the game winning field goal, but ended up as the touchdown. Um, he took a big hit in this game. Good to see him bounce back as, you know, kind of a tertiary option for this team in good matchups. Um, I don't really have anything else, uh, super actionable on the, the, the Atlanta side. Do you want to move to the Detroit side? For sure. Um, my biggest thing in this game was it, it looks like Kenny Galladay is fully healthy. I did, damn near every time you throw the guy the ball, it doesn't matter um, if he has separation or not. He's going to make a pretty darn good catch. And I, I'm really enjoying watching him him play wide receiver for this team. If it weren't for Galladay, this offense would be a, kind of a nightmare. Yeah, he had six catches, and I think all of them were circus catches. One diving, one over the middle. I forget who you talked about a couple weeks ago, that when he goes up and lands, uh, it's like he bounces when he hits the ground. Kenny Galladay had oh, a couple. Oh, Mike of, Evans. Mike Evans, thank you. Yes, I was. I, I spent like 10 minutes trying to think of who you had referenced. Anyways, yeah, Kenny Galladay had two or three of those today where he, he went up and he hit the ground hard and came down with the ball. Obviously, the, the late catch uh, that set up the, the TJ Hawkinson touchdown was really nice. Um, you know, he goes six for 114 here. Um, and my biggest one of my biggest takeaways is bigger numbers are on the way for Kenny Galladay than what we've seen uh, even the last two or three weeks. Uh, Marvin Jones gets a little bit done here. That was good to see. Also made some tough catches. Um, and TJ Hawkinson, you know, I'm not going to say it's been pretty. I'm not going to say it's been, you know, Kittlesque or Walt even as good as Walt. But he keeps finding a way into the end zone. He keeps finding his way to 50 yards. You know, the touchdown breakout or the the, the tight end breakout is usually more gradual than what we saw with uh, Kittle. And maybe we're seeing it and we don't really know that we're seeing it quite yet. For sure. Um, kind of agree. I, I have been mostly impressed with Hawkinson. The volume is never going to be there for most tight ends. What you need to see is guys scoring touchdowns, and it's looking like he's kind of got a an eye for the end zone, if you will. So mm-hmm. um, I know touchdowns can be a bit random, so there might be some down weeks there, but that's the tight end position in a nutshell. If you don't have Kittle or Kelsey, you're kind of on a wing and a prayer anyways. And I think he could do a lot worse than TJ Hawkinson. Yeah, and I guess, you know, we, we can't leave this game without, I mean, our big takeaway or our big preview thing was DeAndre Swift here. Um, still doesn't really carve out a dominant edge in the, the touch work, you know, the workload department. Uh, he does out-touch Adrian by one um, after his catches get factored in. He did look like the better player. He scored the touchdown. Um, you know, I think the cop on him coming out was Kamara. And I think that's always lofty to put on to anybody because I think Kamara is just so good at everything. Um, 
But boy, around the goal line, and that's one area that I think Kamara maybe doesn't get as much credit as he deserves. DeAndre Swift has a nose, and he just knows how to find that little crack, that little seam, um, and get into the end zone. Um, He really impressed me. He's impressed me pretty much every week that I've watched the Lions. I think I've watched, you know, five or six of their games at this point. Um, And, you know... I don't know what to say other than than Matt Patricia needs to keep giving him more work, and you know we can't legislate that. But um, he looked good again here today, for sure. Um, why don't we get moving on to our next game? We got uh, Packers Texans. I don't think we need to spend a ton of time on this game. Um, at least on the Packers side, it was you know the Aaron Rodgers and Devonte Adams show. Mm-hmm. Um, was I don't know. I don't think we need to tell you that those guys are good. I, we did want to see a bounce back for Rodgers. We expected it, so very little surprise there. Is there really anything else in this game you want to touch on on the Packers side? I do have kind of one note, but uh, I'll let you uh, grab it if it's the same idea. Well, I mean, it's probably one of two things. It's either Robert Tanyan or it's Jamal Williams. The one I had was Jamal Williams. Uh, I referenced the David Montgomery trade. I was able to pick him up in that in that deal. Um, he looks lighter and faster to me than he's looked in previous seasons. Now I'm not saying he's better than Aaron Jones. No way. He's Aaron Jones is much better. Um, but I think there's a role here regardless of Jones. And I think, um, you know, obviously he's not a buy now because of, you know, the fact that Jones is hurt, but uh, going forward, he's a guy that I think um, is maybe more underrated than people give him credit for. What was your one thing or was that it? It was kind of him and A.J. Dillon. I thought it was interesting that this opportunity for A.J. Dillon to maybe show something arose, and he he couldn't even really eat um, eat into Jamal Williams' workload. But maybe that's more of a credit to Williams instead of a knock on Dillon and maybe just kind of a a game script thing. Um, But that being said, I think it is a little concerning if you invested on Dillon in the hopes that he would kind of be their lead back next year if Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams left in free agency. Um, but I guess it is almost a little bit m- more interesting to talk about Jamal Williams at this point because he is going to be a free agent. He could end up in a better spot next year, mm-hmm. um, and he could actually become a, a lot more interesting in fantasy purposes. So might be an interesting buy when Jones comes back. I don't know how you feel about that, but I could yeah. see myself throwing a second or third out there for Williams. Yeah, I don't know about it. Well, if, if it was going to be a second, I'd want a third back, but I would definitely offer a third um, kind of like you said, when Jones comes back, because I think there is value there. And like you said, um, he may sign with somebody. It's not a strong rookie class. So uh, a couple of the journeyman running backs are going to get a chance in places we didn't think they would. Maybe it's Mike Davis. Maybe it's Jamal Williams. It could be just about anybody, but chip chair and a chance, especially for a guy who has a role this year. Um, on the Texan side, uh, Cooks, Fuller, uh, anything you wanted to note, Watson keeps, you know, dragging this team along, but they, they're just, they can't protect. I guess it's good to see Deshaun Watson continuing to produce kind of, it's going to actually be kind of a really good fantasy situation for him. Even without Hopkins, they're just such a bad team. It's going to be constant garbage time for him. And he's, you know, way too good of a quarterback for that to be his lot in life. But it's the 
you could do a lot worse right now for fantasy. Like Deshaun Watson is going to put up big numbers for you. So if someone wants to sell just because they're discouraged about the franchise situation, I think he's still going to get you your numbers no matter what. So I would maybe try and buy on Watson as far as an actionable advice. Uh, Will Fuller has been continuing to score touchdowns, so that's mm-hmm. good to see. Continu- consistent production and garbage time for him as well. So. Kind of the two guys that I'm most interested in in that offense are still continuing to produce on a week-to-week basis. So I don't think we need to spend a whole lot more time on them, though. No, the only other thing I'll say is I, I don't think David Johnson looks terrible. I just he, – he can't get blocking. When I do see him get out into open space, he still looks like, you know, 85% of the back he was in Arizona. Um, and it's just a bummer to see because he won't have it for much longer. And uh, it's getting wasted with a battle line. Not that he's amazing, but that he's just he's probably better than up to be. Um, moving on to the Cowboys and uh, the football team. Um, this was not uh, a particularly interesting game. I think we can buzz through it pretty quick. Um, we'll start with the Washington side, the side that gets the 25 to 3 victory. <clears throat> uh, Antonio Gibson looked awesome in this game. Um, it's still odd to see them starting Peyton Barber over him. He did draw the start here. Um, frankly, he was the guy who sort of milked out the clock at the end. Um, but all the productive plays in between was Terry or was uh, Antonio Gibson. Um, really, his big run of the day was a was a counter trap where they lined him up at the H back. It was really well designed, um, but he's fun to watch and open down was really nice. Um, He's a player that's, you know, definitely raw, but uh, he's trending upwards. Uh, they go on by next week, but a guy maybe that you could go find a desperate owner and, and buy right now, somebody looking for a win because, boy, he looks good. Um, Terry McLaurin doesn't exactly go nuclear the way we thought he might, uh, but does get a touchdown here. Had one at the goal line as close as you can really be to scoring a touchdown and didn't quite get in. Um, they got stuffed on a QB sneak right after that, which led to the uh, opening score of the game, which was a safety for uh, the, the football team. Um, not a lot else. I guess Logan Thomas here does get a little bit something done. There's no separation when he gets targets, um, but he is competitive. He's physical. Um, if you've been using him, I think you can keep using him. Um, we may be looking at kind of the Austin Hooper of this year, a guy that I don't think probably statistically um, will, you know, he'll, he'll be statistically better than he is as an NFL player. Um, did you have anything on on the Washington side you either wanted to ask or comment on? Otherwise, I'm going to move over to Dallas so I can get through pretty quick. Well, real quick, I kind of wanted to preview um, something we're going to do on our next episode. We're going to kind of talk about some of these weird tight ends that you might want to give a look to for uh, for if you're dealing with some injuries or just kind of in the tight end wasteland that we seem to end up at this point every year. Every I'm year, probably going to yep. do a little bit of film study on Logan Thomas because I think he's one of the more interesting names right now to maybe get you by it, to pick him up and stream him in a few spots this week. And I was happy for the production, but I just kind of want to s- take a closer look at him and see if it's maybe a thing that can last. So we're going to kind of look at some of these fringe guys uh, and, and talk about them good or bad and maybe give you some advice or maybe tell you to stay away. So just kind of wanted to preview that. But as far as Washington, I think you hit on all the salient points. Uh, We can kind of move on to the train wreck if you're ready for (laughs) the the old, how about them Cowboys? Yeah, it was a, it was a brutal game. 
Um, you know, I, watching this game on Red Zone, I thought Dalton got hurt a lot sooner than he did. I, I was going to chalk a lot more up to this, to Dalton's injury. They were flat out bad for, for almost three quarters. I wrote it down. 622 in the third, he got hurt. And it was a brutal hit. It was a, you know, the guy deserved to get booted out of the game. Um, you know, feel bad for Dalton, but they were, they were flat out bad up to this point. Um, you know, I, I don't think there's a lot of actionable information here. CeeDee Lamb has by far his worst game as a professional. He had three drops in this game. Um, one was on a fairly, you know, it wouldn't have gained them much yards. Another was on an intermediate, uh, catch that would have gained them eight yards or something. But there was one that could have broken open a big play early in this game, um, and he dropped it cold. Uh, he, he gets five targets, doesn't make a catch. Gallup has two targets, doesn't make a catch. Uh, I guess Amari Cooper gets a little bit done here. But, um, yeah, we'll have to see what the word is on Dalton. It was a really a gruesome hit. I'd be surprised if he was cleared by Sunday, but uh, maybe he will be if he's not. Ben DiNucci, who didn't look considering everything involved, didn't look terrible, made a nice throw to uh, Cooper on his first completion for his career. Um, but uh, if he's the starter, boy, it's hard to get any of these guys into your lineup. I'm not totally certain. I believe they play the Eagles next week. But uh, this is a, a huge downgrade for the Dallas offense, not only because Dalton couldn't potentially miss, but also because for now, almost six quarters, we've seen Dalton be bad. And uh, that's scary for the investments that I have in Dallas. Um, I don't need to keep harping on this game. We've got another kind of quick one to get through here. Um, did you have any comments before I move on? Not really. Uh, if you're looking for something actionable for the Cowboys, I, th- I think it's totally situational for your dynasty team. If if you're one and six and you can get someone to panic sell you some Cowboys like Cooper or Lamb, I don't know why you would sell Lamb right now. It would be pretty <laughs> stupid, but maybe try. I, I, I doubt you have much luck, but yeah, I mean, it's certainly one of the oldest buy low opportunities in the book. So if you if you want to get a talent below value right now, now's the time to maybe make some overtures. Absolutely. Um, on to the Bills and Jets. This was another really boring game, kind of like you said about, uh, I believe it was the Panthers Saints, a quick game to watch on condensed. So um, I'll be quick here too. Darnold looked pretty good in the first half on the Jets side. Um Actually hit Mims four times for 42 yards, a guy that I wanted to, you know, watch. Part of the reason I was willing to watch this train wreck of a game. Um, You know, he didn't do anything spectacular, but it was good to see him make it through this game healthy. He did lead the team in targets. Um, I think there is something there um, in terms of long term, but probably not going to be good this year. Um, Darnold was brutal in the second half. They had I, I saw in PTI, they had four yards of total offense in the second half. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, it was wretched from the Jets, um, but there was a few good things in the first half. And, and you know, in Darnold's defense, he's just getting avalanched on almost every play. Uh, Mekhi Becton is a guy that I think will develop. But right now, uh, there was a play where he, he lined up almost a yard off sides in the backfield in the wrong direction um, because he's so nervous about the edge rush getting there. He can't get out of his stance quick enough right now, um, and it's leading to a lot of pressure. Uh, on the Bills side, you know, big game for Cole Beasley. 11 uh, catches on 12 targets for 112 yards. Kind of a down game for Diggs and, frankly, a down game for Josh Allen. 
Uh, could have very easily thrown two picks early in this game. Uh, something you referenced uh, much earlier in the season, one of our first pods, if I'm not mistaken, uh, ball security issues with Josh Allen. Um, he fumbled twice. One of them was lost. Uh, you know, he's got to clean up some of this stuff. You can still see the raw talent, but this was a kind of a half step in the wrong direction. Um, I think really the only other thing to talk about is this running back committee or the running backs in general. A, the running game is just not effective. Um, but B, um, Zach Moss looks like the guy that can actually, in a dirty, with dirty running lanes, can actually churn out a few yards. Um, Singletary, the second he gets hit, he goes to the ground. And yeah, he can make people miss. But when three guys come at you at once, if you make one of the three miss, the two other ones are still going to get you. Whereas I feel like Zach Moss just sort of puts his head down in that scenario and gets three. Um, so I just wonder if maybe we're seeing a changing of the guard here. He did have a long run. This is Zach Moss, by the way. Um, had a long run here, but it was a big hole. He, he burst through it. It was good to see them break something. Um, but certainly not anything that he did spectacularly. But I think they're looking for something uh, new here. We don't need to spend a lot more time on this game. Is there any broad takeaways you had on Bills at Jets? Uh, no, not really. You touched on the main thing I was going to ask you was if Zach Moss looked as much better than Singletary as the stat line would have indicated. Not significantly, but I do think that they're looking to at least try something different. So, um, frankly, I'm I, if, if I did weekly rankings, which I don't do, I would probably at this point have him over Singletary until we see otherwise. Um, moving on to the 3 o'clock slate of games. This was this was on live here, so I did catch some of it. But uh, Chiefs at Broncos, where do you want to start? Well, I think uh, I actually kind of want to start with a bit of a meta conversation when it comes to because uh, this was a snowy game. Um, mm-hmm. I think there was a lot of questions I was seeing on Twitter from people asking uh, analysts, like, do you start these guys because of the snow? Do you sit them? Uh, how do you feel about um, weather when you're making lineup decisions? Is it a big factor for you? Um, do you just kind of use it as a tiebreaker? Like, were you sitting anyone in this game that you would have normally started because of the snow, or does it not really worry you? No, it doesn't really factor in for me. Um, I'll never forget the, uh, the the New England game where they put up, like, 48 on Tennessee in the snow. And, um, no, really the only weather factor that could really convince me to change, a, you know, an opinion on a player uh, would be really, really, really high winds. And you don't get that a lot. Um, and even if you do, obviously, it only really affects the passing game. Um, I'm trying to stay out of the weather conversation on, on Sundays when I'm setting my starting lineup. Uh, do you feel differently? Not really. Um, it did seem like, I, I don't know if it affected this game much. I mean, the I think what really affected the, the lack of a big day for all the Chiefs, um, even though they put up 43 points, was just the fact of how bad Denver was. And this <laughs> game was pretty much out of hand right away. Uh, Drew Locke did not look very good in this game. He did have a rushing touchdown. That was really his only source of points for you. Um, I haven't been super impressed by him this year. I was impressed by him last year, just this year. I mean, I know he had the injury that kind of broke apart his season, but so far this might be a team that's looking for a new quarterback next year. Um, 
I think I'll stay with Denver here for a minute. Noah Fant doesn't look 100% yet. Um, yeah. He was targeted a few times, but once they could really see that this game was out of hand and that he was still kind of hurting, they started looking at Albert Aquabunum's way quite a bit, and Good he job. looks like he might develop into something. Um, I, I don't. I can't really advise grabbing him in Dynasty unless you have really deep rosters because Fant's still the far superior talent, but it does look like uh, they have maybe – um, a two tight end set in the future. Um, Philip Lindsay looks like the far superior running back to to my eyes, and I think most fantasy analysts' eyes, most people with eyes, realize that Lindsay <laughs> deserves to be the lead back in this committee. Um, Melvin Gordon had way more touches because Lindsay left with a concussion. I think even the Broncos' stubbornness are starting to realize that Lindsay is the guy they need to go to. Melvin Gordon, to me, looks mostly useless. Uh, I know he did score a touchdown, but that was in garbage time when the Chiefs probably had most of their backups in on defense. That's the only way Melvin Gordon can get anything going. Like we talked about with Todd Gurley, sell on name value because that's really the only value he has left anymore. He's going to not be a starting running back in this league for much longer. I just don't think he has much left. Um, On to the Chiefs. Uh, Le'Veon Bell didn't have a whole lot of work in this game. Um, I think it was just kind of an acclimation game. So what's really going to be more interesting is how they use these two backs next week um, when they're potentially in more of a closer game, see who they use more when it matters. Um, The workload was split eight carries to six. I didn't look up the snaps, but Clyde looked good. Le'Veon looked actually pretty good. So I think it is going to be a committee, but I think it'll still lean Clyde. And I think um, he's still obviously – the guy that you want to own, but I, I wouldn't sell low on him just because Le'Veon's there. I don't think it's going to last forever. Miko Hardman got some more looks in this game. I was glad to see him featured more, a talent I really like and I think has been underutilized there. So I, I do think the Chiefs need to use him more, and I think uh, he can make big plays happen when he gets the ball in his hand. So that was good to see. Absolutely. And uh, so uh, one thing I had on the Denver side, I saw it when I was you know looking up you know box scores previous to watching games today um it was some about the broncos when they are not in two tight end sets essentially um that they're having a ton of trouble protecting the passer that they're throwing a lot of interceptions on those plays um so i think it was interesting that you noted albert albert o um, because i think he is a part of this offense at this point and uh while i'm not advocating that you go start him in tight end uh you know single tight end in tight end premium there might be some you know, deeper value and maybe a guy that will come up in the conversation we have uh, on Thursday um, as sort of one of these fringe guys. Um, In terms of of the Chiefs, uh, yeah, they had a defensive touchdown. They had a a kick return touchdown. I I think, you know, um, Mahomes obviously doesn't have the day you're hoping he did or he would. Uh, Kelsey disappoints on National Tight End Day. Um, But, yeah, I I think, uh, uh, you know, Obviously, this was just a, a blip on the radar. Uh, 49ers at Patriots. This was not an incredible uh, game to watch. So I'm not going to give you a bunch of game notes. I just want to have a couple, uh, you know, kind of conversations about seeing out of Cam Newton. Um, and, I, you know, I can break down this game for you, you know, if need be. But what is your scale one to 10, 10 being the worst? What is your fear level on Cam Newton keeping this job for the rest of the year? 
Well, Stidham hasn't looked all that interesting to me either, so I'm not super worried about him losing the job to Stidham, I guess, but my level of concern is very high just as far as how he's looked to me. Mm-hmm. So I guess um, I'm not super worried about him losing the job. I'm just worried about him being productive with the job. Okay, and see, I'm actually uh, – he admitted as much on one of their radio stations in Boston this week that you know uh, the leash is short. Um, I, I watched this and I counted the, just the inaccurate passes where he had an open receiver. There was five times where he had somebody open, he threw in their direction, and the ball was woefully inaccurate. Two of them uh, were actually intercepted. Um, the really scary thing about this game to me is that five for 19 on the ground, it looked to me like they were, you know, maybe that they know that, you know, the the chickens are coming home to roost that as they're at a 30 year old player that cam can't continue to take 10 to 12 physical touches every game. Um, and without it, boy, this offense looked bad. Uh, and cam looked bad. You know, this is going to sound very wonky of me, but, uh, when you look at him throw the ball right now, uh, it looks like his feet and his arm are not connected. Like there's, uh, you know, his feet are opening, kind of opening up early before his arm really even starts moving. It just looks awkward. I can't really, I'm not a, you know, quarterback guru or anything, but it just doesn't look right right now. Um, And I'm very concerned about him. Edelman doesn't catch a ball until basically a minute left in this game. Um, it was just a disaster on the New England side. I guess the only positive I can I can bring out here is Damian Harris uh, continues to look good with the touches that they give him. Um, they almost might be a more interesting offense to me in a more prototypical eye form type of, you know, two back, full back, tight end set with Stidham back there running the ball a lot than they are with Cam in this read option right now. Um, so just sort of my thoughts on, on the New England side. Did you have anything on New England? Otherwise, I'm going to move on to the more fun side of things here. Yeah, let's let's have some fun. <laughs> all right. Well, the Niners were very fun with the with the lone exception that all of the touchdowns went to either Jeff Wilson Jr. or uh, to uh, Kyle Juszczyk with a fullback dive. Um, otherwise, this was a pretty fun game to watch if you're a Niners fan. Uh, Kittle doesn't exactly have a monster day on national tight end day, but he, he's a blast to watch, uh, especially in the run game. He was just moving people. One thing I was sort of thinking watching this game, um, I wish there was a like points created stat, not just how many points you create for yourself, but how many you create for others. Because, I mean, there's a screenplay to Jeff Wilson Jr. where, where George Kittle just blocks a guy 20 yards downfield and picks up all the yards for Wilson. It was it was fun to watch him. He's so much fun. I, I, the Really, the big takeaway here uh, is Brandon Ayuk. He looked phenomenal again in this game. Uh, and I think what's interesting, at least when you're comparing Ayuk and Debo, nearly ever, and, and Debo had five catches here too, so only one less catch, a lot less yardage. But I think the important thing to point out is that all of Debo's touches are manufactured. These are not, he's not running deep outs. He's not running post routes. He's not running goes. He's jets, jet sweep and, and all of that stuff. And that's effective. It is. But Brandon Ayuk is getting open on wide receiver type routes and offers some of that versatility uh, in terms of manufactured touches. Debo gets hurt late in this game. Um, with a Seattle matchup lingering, 
boy, Brandon Ayuk has a chance to really sort of explode onto the scene next week, and I'm super excited for that game. Um, Jimmy sort of lets you down here. He throws two picks. Uh, not a ton of yardage. They didn't need it. They were whooping, whooping the butt. Uh, so uh, not anything to panic on here. He did have one high throw. Um, but otherwise, uh, just a you know pretty efficient performance from him in in Shanahan's offense. Uh, moving on to the Bucks and Raiders. Um, why don't we start with uh, Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? Uh, since we just talked about New England, Tom Brady's certainly winning the battle of who was more responsible for the Patriots' success. <laughs> if if we're grading it between him and Belichick, because he's thriving. And the Patriots are are far from thriving right now. But that being said, this is about the best supporting cast he's had um, since the Randy Moss year, the undefeated season in New England that could have been a fully undefeated season minus the Super Bowl loss to the Giants. But uh, to get off that tangent, let's let's talk maybe a bit more about the receivers that he is using because Tom Brady was great in this game, but – Scotty Miller bounced back from the depths of hell to to lead their team in in a lot of different categories this week. Do you have a take on that? Is that going to be just the uh, the role for one? Uh, I'm an idiot, and I can't think of his name right now. Even though we've and said it seventy, Antonio Brown. Antonio Brown. Even, even though we've said it seventy five times today, is that going to be the Antonio Brown role in this off, offense when he? Uh, passes the COVID protocols and returns from a suspension. Is is he going to be the six for 109 guy? Yeah, that's how I envision it. Um, Tom Brady really seems to like Scotty Miller, and I don't want to say anything negative about Scotty Miller here. He was he was really, really good. He actually nearly scored a second touchdown, uh, goes over 100 yards. But, yeah, that is the role that I envisioned for Antonio Brown. We had talked about him theoretically signing in Seattle. Uh, obviously, he signed in Tampa Bay. Uh, can't play next week, but uh, this is an offense that's very, very dangerous right now because Gronk looked really, really good in this game. Um, he catches the fade touchdown. I think everybody probably saw that one. Um, he had five catches on eight targets. All three of the the targets that were incomplete were were Brady overthrows, essentially. Um, a couple, couple deep routes that actually could have resulted, one in a big play the very first play of the game, um, and another that would have scored him a second touchdown. Um, he looks back. Uh, obviously, Evans has a disappointing day, but I don't think any of us are concerned that Evans isn't a good player all of a sudden. Chris Godwin just makes tough catch over the middle after tough catch over the middle. Um, I think when you're talking about just Tom Brady in general, he probably is the best quarterback who doesn't have the Konami code, the cheat code with the the rushing ability in my opinion, for dynasty or for fantasy in terms of just the rest of this year. I think they're, you know, it's been maybe Matt Ryan, Ben Roethlisberger, sort of it. No, I think it's Tom Brady, you know, in terms of guys that aren't going to get you anything other than one-yard QB sneaks, which he does again in this game. Um, but he looks awesome, and I think this this offense could be just waiting to blossom. For sure, and uh, I think the other interesting note on the – the Tampa Bay side of things is the the running back committee that we thought was solved with Ronald Jones <laughs> is now back to being muddied again because Arians hates us all. Wow. Um, Le- well, Leonard well, Ford. In fairness, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but uh, in fairness, Ronald Jones started this game. Uh, they had a screen set up perfectly to him. 
he bobbled it, he dropped it, and it would have gone for 20, 25 yards. And it was it was kind of funny. It, it was Brady kind of giving the Sony Michelle look to the sidelines where he got frustrated early on in Sony's, Sony's career when he wouldn't catch the ball. But by the end, it was just sort of like, yep, that's I've told you guys, we can't put this guy out here to catch the ball. Um, Rojo basically got benched after that, um, and Fournette looked like the better back. So I'm not going to say Arians screwed us over. I think Ronald Jones continues to screw himself over by not being able to catch the dang ball. Yeah, sure. And that's kind of what I was going to get into is he has stone hands like him trying to catch the ball is pretty darn ugly. So that that was his uh, way to lose that job or or make it muddied again. So, yeah, Fournette, uh, say what you will about him, but he did actually catch damn near 80 passes last year in Jacksonville. So he is a capable third down back or receiving back. So that may end up being kind of a transition that we see in this offense as their passing game really gets into a groove it could be more Fournette so I wouldn't call this an an anomaly which is a hard thing to say no he caught six passes basically uh not playing at all through the first quarter and a half when it was all Ronald Jones um but that door was open and and you know he took advantage of it and I kind of wonder you know god we got to quit overreacting to this Tampa Bay backfield because they prove week in and week out that they're going to do something different but uh, man, it, I mean, it, again, he proved why he probably deserves the job because he can catch the ball a little bit. Um, as far as the other bucks, I think we actually, we pretty much hit on everybody. Why don't we move on over to the Raiders? Uh, Derek Carr was under constant duress here. Uh, number 45 and number 54 are just everywhere right now. That front, that front seven is fun to watch. Um, where do you want to start on, on, on the, the Raiders? There's not a ton of good stuff to talk about well the one good thing that i kind of want to give a little bit of props to nelson aguilar um he was one of the biggest punching lines in the er, yeah punching bags in the league the punch lines people would make fun of him for his drops and stuff but he's actually looked pretty darn good so far this year for oakland uh getting open pretty well and and actually catching the ball and scoring some touchdowns for them so i've actually been somewhat impressed by him um i was a fan of him coming out of college i i Spent the infamous first round pick on him in our contract league that I immediately regretted. But he's uh, maybe a post type sleeper a little bit here in this offense. I, I kind of like what I've seen from him so far this year. Yeah, he looked really good in this game. And yeah, the the thing that will always stick in my mind about Aguilar was that video of the 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 hero who had just caught you know it was a couple kids out of a burning apartment building. And they they were interviewing <laughs> him on the, the the news, and he said, "Yeah, I wasn't going to drop him like Aguilar." Uh, and, and that always <laughs> makes me laugh, but, uh, yeah, he did look good here today, you know, and he, like you said, he made three or four really nice catches and I was about to, you know, come on the show and say glowing things. And then he had two drops late in this game. So I guess we'll see separation is not an issue for him. He can get open. Um, the hands have been consistent. They said it on the broadcast. It was his first drop of the year. Uh, so again, I don't want to, you know, forever hold him to his Philadelphia career, but, it was good to see Darren Waller get something done here. He's a really fun player to watch. He's so physical. Just a bunch of tough catches in this game. Um, I don't think there's anything big there because you're starting him week in, week out. Um, there was nothing to be had here for, for Josh Jacobs. Um, I don't think you panic, but uh, hopefully the offensive line gets a little bit closer back to health. Obviously, there was some COVID issues there. They didn't have Trent Brown this week. Um 
I want to preach patience on Josh Jacobs because there, I mean, this was not on him. I'm a little bit more worried about Jacobs probably than you are because this, uh, he hasn't really looked good to me since week one against the Panthers, which a lot of people have looked good against the Panthers. But yeah, I, I just haven't been super impressed by him so far this year. Um, I don't own him in a lot of places, so I don't really have to action on that. But if I if I rostered him, I'd be a little bit more nervous than you right now, I think. But I'm not kind of the guy that sells low. So, yeah, I guess I would say hold and hope for greener days. But, but yeah, I'm a little bit more concerned, I would say. All right. Well, why don't we keep it? We got to keep it moving here. We're running a little bit long. So, Jags at Chargers. This was the Justin Herbert show. Um, I did rewatch this game almost trying to find – negatives on Justin Herbert about the best I could do is there was a couple read options where one he should have kept that he gave the ball away and one vice versa um, and then there was one or two throws where he was under duress and he sort of just chucked it up um, and you know didn't you know didn't make a good decision let's say but all in all this was a spectacular game for Justin Herbert he's the real deal um, I, I, I guess I don't really know what else to say do you have any big things on Herbert? Not really. Um, I've been very impressed by him every step of the way, and this is his most impressive game yet. So I I don't think we need to go too long on him. I think everyone with eyes can see that this is real. Um, The Jacksonville side, uh, not really a whole lot to talk about in this game either. Um, Minshew gets you your fantasy points and not much else. Um, James Robinson was awesome. Yeah, legitimately awesome. Robinson's really the only guy you can trust in this offense. Uh, Could Gardner Minshew theoretically get traded? The Jags are one and six. He's obviously not their long-term answer. Could we maybe see Minshew mania in Dallas? You know, I guess I never never really thought about it, but uh, I got to believe Dallas thinks they still have a good team minus what they've got going on at quarterback right now. I think they might kick the tires on some of these, uh, you know, quarterbacks. Will it be Minshew? I guess I'm not so sure. Um, He didn't look particularly good here. I think, you know, James Robinson looked awesome. He's, I think, the only guy outscoring him at the running back position right now is Alvin Kamara. Um, He's legitimately good. This is not manufactured. This is not contrived. This is, he's the genuine article. And I'm not saying he's going to be a long-term mainstay in, in dynasty lineups. But for the rest of this year, uh, ride him and, and maybe look at trading him in the offseason. But DJ Chark, one catch on seven targets for 26 yards. That's now, I, I did the math on this, eight catches on 21 targets in the last two weeks. Um, he didn't look hurt to me. They, there looked like there was a serious disconnect between him and Baker here. Do you have any take on DJ Chark? Is he maybe a guy that could get moved at the deadline? I didn't see much of the Jaguars side of this game. Really, the only thing popping up on red zone was every three minutes when Herbert <laughs> threw another bomb. So the Jags were not on red zone much, and this was not on my featured TV okay. for the the afternoon slot. So I don't have a take on him from this game, but I didn't think he looked good at all last week. So I'm not surprised to, to hear that he looked poor again. Yeah, you mentioned that. And there was a couple stink eyes between both from Gardner Minshew on a play where uh, either Chark ran the wrong, wrong route, or I'm not sure what happened, but but gave him the stink eye on a third down conversion they weren't able to do. Uh, Chark had two drops here, uh, but then late in the game, Chark gets wide open twice in a row on a game, you know, on a, on a drive that could have, you know, got him kind of back into that game, and Minshew missed him by, 
I don't know, five, eight yards. It was bad. So uh, serious disconnect going on there. I wonder uh, if Chark's not a name that they could get something pretty legitimate for, a guy that, that's not on a long-term contract. Um, and especially with Chenault look good here, I don't think we should gloss over that. But I do think we should move on to the Sunday night football, which was a heck of a game. Kyler Murray and Russell Wilson uh, under the big lights. Which side do you want to start with here? Well, Seattle is incapable of playing an unexciting football game or a normal game. Uh, it's just crazy. I, I think we should all uh, mark the, all of their games on our, our schedule for the rest of the year and not miss another Seahawks game because it doesn't matter who they're playing. They could be playing the Jaguars or mm-hmm. the or the Buccaneers. It's going to be an exciting game to the finish. Um, I, I think we, we start with Arizona, though. Um, okay. Kyler Murray, kind of his breakout game, if you will, um, had his best game as a pro, I thought. But that's easy to say when you're facing the Seahawks defense, who have been roasted from everyone this year. So take it with a bit of a grain of salt. But Kyler was fantastic through the air and the ground, which is exactly what you want to see from him. If he can be this efficient through the air and sprinkle in the rushing ability, he's going to be QB1 in the league this year, I think, um, in fantasy, that is, um, I'm not sure where the rankings are right now, but he's got to be pretty high up there on the rankings and a game like this isn't going to change things. I do want to kind of give us some props for, for calling this chase Edmonds thing. I know it took a Kenyon Drake injury. Um, but it's clear as day. He's the more talented running back. And and that's going to be the guy they use going forward. Even if Drake gets healthy, because chase Edmonds looked great in this game. Well, the word is that they're treating this. They're still waiting on MRI results on Drake, but they're treating it like a high ankle sprain. Uh, so I think you got a month here where there's no Kenyon Drake, uh, which not only means good things for Chase Edmonds, but also I think Eno Benjamin kind of works his way at least into the uh, you know six touch range, probably pretty quickly. Um, so we'll at least yeah. get a peek at him. Um, in terms of Kyler Murray. Uh, when, when I watched the first half of this game, I was thinking I'm going to have to come on the pod and talk about how Arizona is a fun team to watch and they're exciting, but they don't have a championship pedigree. This team fought their butt off at the end of this game. Uh, Kyler played really, really well down the stretch here, but he did have his struggles early, uh, some inaccuracies, but they found a way um, on a big stage like this. I think you're right. It was maybe his best game as a pro. Um, but there's still so many things that he, and that's maybe the scariest thing is that there is a lot to clean up here when you watch this, this film. Um, otherwise I think, you know, Hopkins does his normal thing. It's good to see Christian Kirk continue to be involved. Um, Larry Fitzgerald gets some record, you know, he's close to Jerry Rice, yada, yada, yada. Um, it was just a fun game on the, on the Cardinals side, uh, a lot of action on the Seahawks side. Russell Wilson's played better games. I don't think he, uh, worked his way out of the MVP conversation or anything like that. I think he's still squarely the one. Um, but DK Metcalf, aside from making the play of the week, when he chased down Buda Baker, uh, has a little <laughs> yeah, bit of a slow... incredible. Oh my gosh. It was so much fun to watch. And I'm sure everybody's said that you've heard that a million times, but Oh my gosh, it was just a blast to see him track him down in the open field like that. Um, but obviously he has a little bit of a slow game. Tyler Lockett goes ballistic. Um, is there anything actionable there? Or is this just sort of, you know, it's kind of how I this think game it, went? 
I think it would have been the complete opposite if DK Metcalf had been covered by Dre Kirkpatrick all game like Lockett was. Because yeah. Kirkpatrick had no chance at stopping Lockett, and I'm sure it would have been the same story against Metcalf. He looked so bad in this game, and Lockett just got so much separation on pretty much every single play against Kirkpatrick. I don't know why the Cardinals didn't put someone else on him, just anyone else, but Kirkpatrick had a really rough game in this one. So I think... Lockett was just too open to ignore because of the matchup, and that's why you saw such a lopsided production. In fairness, they actually did. So uh, two of his big plays, Lockett, the opening play and the, the the long touchdown, did come against Peterson, and Peterson was in perfect position. Uh, ball's just right where it's supposed to be. Russell Wilson throws the best deep ball in the game, but uh, you saw the same thing that makes him great, burn him a couple times. Uh, we had an Isaiah Simmons sighting in this game. That was fun to see. They're without a bunch of players on defense. It shocks me that they don't use him more. Um, but good to see him make that big play right at the end that uh, set up the game-winning field goal. Um, he's a player that they got to find a way because number six, seven overall pick uh, this late in the season has to be playing more than basically that was, I think, the only snap I saw him on. Yeah, I've been confused by it. It clearly seems they haven't figured out how they're going to use them. When you draft a Swiss Army knife on defense, you have to be creative. And they kind of were planning on just using him at linebacker, which is, I don't know, I think it's wrong for him. I mean, he can do that, but use him the way the Chargers uh, were using, uh, what's his face, who's hurt, or even the... The Chiefs use like Tyron Matthew. Like I could see him as more mm-hmm. of a hybrid safety guy. That's just wherever, whatever. Right. That's yeah, how they need can, to use him. He can legitimately play four positions. You can't tell me that there's not one out of eleven spots on on the Arizona Cardinal defense that he can't fill right now. Um, I know he looked bad oh, in the sure. opening week or whatever it was against San Francisco. Um, they got to find a way because he's too talented to not be playing. Um, real quick before we, before we cut this off here, we can't let Cliff Kingsbury off too quick. What a weird sequence of events right there at the end. I know they eventually get the win here. Um, but kicking on second and 15, the toss play that preceded that play, about the only designed play you could call that would lose as much yardage as they did. Um, and then obviously they ice their own kicker. He misses it. Now it's all fine because they come back. They get the turnover. They they get the field goal. Um, I, I just hope he learned something because that was almost disastrous to watch. Yeah, I'm certainly not sold on Kingsbury as a coach yet. I like the archetype for a coaching hire, the young offensive mind to mm-hmm. be your play caller for many years to come. I think that's smart, especially with a young quarterback, to have that continuity. But some of his play designs are really creative, and some of them I think are almost too creative for his own good. And obviously some game theory stuff um, needs some work, but that's probably one of the easiest things for a coach to get better at if they're willing and and pay attention to it. So I, I think better days are ahead for Kingsbury. But, yeah, he certainly uh, didn't help his team's chances in this game. No, it was, uh, it was a strange sequence of events, and uh... – I think he'll be he'll be better off for it. You know, it's a learning experience. Let's let's go with that. Um, with that said, that was our last matchup of, of the day. Uh, did you have anything else you wanted to get out there before we get out of here, Newts? Real quick, I know you mentioned Eno Benjamin's name already real quick or mm-hmm. earlier in this matchup, but uh, I, I did see him dropped in several of my dynasty for just the last week. I have now snagged him, and I think 
every single one of my leagues. Now's the time to give him a, a pickup if he's still out there. Because, like you said, it, this is Chase Edmonds' job, but it's not solely his job. He They've tended to use him more out of the pass-catching role, but someone's going to get some carries, and I think it's going to be Eno Benjamin, and, and I think you're going to like what you see. So give him a shot if he's out there. Try and snag him. I would I would recommend it. Maybe not so much in redraft, but in a dynasty league, definitely give him a shot on your roster. And along those lines, uh, Jeff Wilson does score three touchdowns here, but he hurts his knee on the last one. Uh, Jamichael Hasty looked looked good in this game, showed some real burst. Uh, that that was obviously a previous matchup, somebody we just kind of skipped over. But uh, your recommendation on Eno uh, made me made me made me think of it. Um, he's an interesting player. I don't think he's going to get a huge volume of workload, but any workload in the San Francisco backfield is interesting to me. Um, so on that note, why don't we get out of here? I'm uh, on Twitter at Dynasty Oasis. Uh, you are at Nasty Newts, N-E-U-T-Z. Um, anything you want to say before we get out of here? Uh, let's wish a very happy birthday to Teddy Roosevelt and me. Oh, happy birthday. Well, well mine's Teddy Wednesday, and... but. Okay. All right. Well, before we can talk but again. We won't so... <laughs> yeah. And uh, Teddy Roosevelt, I hope you're sleeping well in the ground. <laughs> All right. Well, that was uh, that was a little bit of a long episode. Sorry about that. But there's just so much beyond the box score that uh, we wanted to get to all of it. And uh, we, we thank you very much for both listening and sticking with us this long. So uh, until Thursday, where we'll have uh, some tight end talk, we'll have game previews. Um, and we haven't really come up with our kind of third segment, but uh, we'll have something for you on Thursday in your ears on Friday. Um, and we look forward to seeing you then or talking to you then. All right. Peace out.